Welcome everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. This is a program of the International Discipleship Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. You can go to cpeonline.org or traincpe.org to learn more about our work in over 40 different countries making disciples over the last 30 years. There too you may find information on training programs we offer for local churches like yours. You can also learn more about this ministry through the links at breadoflifeboise.org. There too you'll learn about our missions fellowship. We meet Sundays for worship at 11 a.m. in the Old White Church in the Warm Springs area of Boise. Today we take up a further consideration of the awakening God brings to us in order to bring us to salvation. It should be a part of your experience in salvation and should also be a significant part of the testimony you share with others of how you became a follower of Jesus Christ. All scripture is very clear that salvation follows repentance and faith. It doesn't come before it. In fact, let's look at this story. We have the story of Lydia who believes and heeds the gospel, but just after that we have the story of the conversion of the Philippian jailer. And the Philippian jailer has God working upon him. God is laying a groundwork to bring a witness to him. The Philippian jailer has Paul and Silas brought into his prison, brought into the center of his prison. The center of the prison was also the place, the nearest place where the jailer lived himself. It's where he could keep his eye on those individuals who were to be secured and kept safe. In that prison, he likely hears them singing their songs of praise. He would have witnessed the manner and testimony of their very lives when beaten by rods and bloodied, they were brought in and he put them in their stocks. He hears their songs of rejoicing. Everyone else in the prison hears the songs of rejoicing as well. An earthquake takes place. The doors to the prison spring open. The chains are all loosed. The jailer rushes to the prison and sees all the doors opened up. He sees all the stocks loosed. He thinks all of his prisoners have run away. And then he realizes if they've all run away, I am held accountable for their life. So he goes to take himself, to kill himself. And at that very moment, Paul cries out and says, Don't kill yourself. Don't hurt yourself. Everybody has run into the inner room of the prison. They're here with us. They're all secure. They're all safe. No one has fled. Something in that moment, some thought, some idea, some conception at that moment of the power of God and the grace of God and the preserving work of God struck the heart and mind of that jailer. We don't know exactly what it was, but it was an awakening. And he rushed in. And he fell before Paul and Silas and said, Brothers, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Now, he didn't need to be saved from the earthquake. It had already taken place. He survived it. He needed to be saved from his sin. He needed to be saved from the wrath of the just and holy God that these men worshipped. What must I do to be saved? And their answer was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You see the order? You see the order? Salvation follows this belief. If you didn't have a theological battle to fight and you came to John chapter 1, verses 11 and 13, you could see very clearly the order here. There it says, He came, speaking of Jesus Christ, unto His own, and His own received Him not. But to as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believed in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. There it is. New birth. When did it come? Following their reception of Jesus Christ, following their belief in Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible teaches us. So, 
This awakening that we're talking about is not regeneration. But it is something of God that is far beyond what any man or any woman can do for themselves and far beyond what we can do for any man or any woman. I can't affect your awakening. I can't affect this moment in which your heart is opened up to these truths. This is something more than divine drawing and something more than divine conviction of sin and righteousness and judgment. This is not God simply seeking a remedy. No, this is, this is an awakening of a dead heart to living truths. This is the opening of a heart sealed in sin to the light of the glory of the gospel in the face of Christ Jesus. This is opening blind eyes. This is causing deaf ears to hear. This is stirring up an antagonistic, paralyzed will to take hold of God's word and the gospel of life and obey it and receive it. Whatever it is, it's God's work, not mine. Praise God, He did it for me. I can give witness to the moment. I can't explain it. I can't explain why it happened in my life and not another person's life. I can tell you this. It's not because I grew up in the pastor's house. There's plenty of young men who have grown up in the pastor's houses that have gone in different directions. And it's certainly not because I was more morally superior than they. God did something. What's the application of this? Well, it means that our understanding of evangelism Bringing this good news to other individuals needs to ultimately rest on an utter dependency upon God to do what only God can do. It means that we can't trust in some kind of system or some kind of methodology, but that we must ultimately find ourselves relying upon God and interceding for God to work in the lives of blind and dead individuals so that they might reckon with the words of the gospel that He's called us to preach. Here's our part. In fact, I'll give you two points of application for our part, and then I'm going to give some application to the individual who may not be a follower of Jesus Christ or a believer of Jesus Christ first. That person who's received this great awakening work in their life, there's two things for you to do. One is this. Understanding this to be true, and this is the work of God alone, what you're left to do is to intercede to God that He would continue that work in other people's lives. So here's your job, intercede. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, verses 5-6 through 6, that we have been redeemed or washed with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and have been established through that washing as priest upon the earth. And a priest is somebody who intercedes for others. That's your job. If you've experienced this work of God that overwhelmingly has taken you from darkness into light, you've been brought into that light so that from that light you might intercede for others who are still in darkness. And your number one response to this truth is you become an intercessor for lost people. You can intercede for them because you can identify with their condition. You can't identify with the condition of individuals who are ignorant and inert and antagonistic and blind and dead because if you know you've been saved by the grace of God alone, you know that's exactly where you were before that grace shined upon your life. And you can intercede with them. You can identify with their dilemma because it was your dilemma as well. You have no entitlement to claim anything of the Christian life apart from God breaking in upon you. Now you know their state, their situation, their condition, their blindness. Oh, praise God that it gives us so much light when we become a Christian. But not so much light that we judge others as less than we were. Just so much light that we might know how to pray for them and plead for them and intercede for them. 
Take up intercession as your role. Here's the second one. Give witness to your experience of being awoken to the light. You know the resistance in their lives. You know the dullness that's over them. You know it. You experienced it. If you've given your life to Christ and you've believed Him as your Savior, you know the day when you came out of it. You didn't come by osmosis into the Christian life. You didn't come through a series of steps of further and further enlightenment. At some point in time, God woke you up. And God began to help you see and assemble and put together His will and purpose and heed His call. And God made you desperate for Him. And God answered that desperation with His forgiveness in His life. Out of that experience... And through that story, communicate the gospel to others so they can identify with something of what you're saying. How about the individual who's not sure whether they've ever been awoken? They're not sure if they've ever come into this revelation of salvation. They have committed religious people who are really given to the cause of evangelical faith, but... They're not sure. They can't think of that day in which God broke through and woke them up and began to stir them to seek Him seeking them. Well, you remember when the Lord Jesus said, Though one can come to me except for the Father, draw him. And when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And what you'll discover is that at that point in time, most individuals wandered away. They resisted it. They wandered away from that drawing. But there were others who lingered and remained until something of that word and truth began to penetrate their hearts and God awoke their lives to Him. So let me simply give you this recommendation. Stick around. Linger. Don't wander away from God's drawing. God is calling you and He's trying to constrain you and bring Him to Himself. He wants to wash you and cleanse you and forgive you and give you new life. You don't get it. You don't understand it. You don't really see a need. You see a need, but you're not sure. Stick around. Stick around. We're praying for you. That God will break through. A flash of light. You'll see your sin and you'll see your Savior. Your chains will fall off and you'll be set free. That sounds strange to you right now? Stick around. In fact, what you could do is pay attention to the drawing work that God has already conducting in your life. Think about the good things that He's been doing to you and you figure out why it is He's being so good to you. Think about the gracious ways that He's preserved your life. He's kept you from becoming prey to your own stupid decisions more than once. Think about it. Ask yourself why. And see that the goodness of God is leading you to repentance. Consider the remedies that He's brought in your way and the voices of truth and reason and life that have come to you over and over again. Consider them. Consider them. God is seeking a remedy for you. Think about, consider the line of conviction of the Spirit of God in your life. Do you know you're a sinner? How do you know that? Do you consider yourself to be a perfect and righteous man? Do you know one? I do. What would you describe a perfect, righteous man to be like? If you were to describe him, you'd describe my Lord. Think about it. He wants to give you his righteousness. Are you concerned that you might face judgment? So am I. Think about those things. Linger in those things. Remember, people are praying for you. That God might awaken your heart to him. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. So...
We bow before you, God, your people, saved by your grace alone. A grace that had to fight through and break through lovingly. We don't know how, we don't know why. I know not why God's loving grace to me hath made known. I know not why. Unworthy Christ in love redeemed me for his own. But we know whom we believed in, and we are persuaded that he is able to keep that which we've committed to him against the day of his righteous judgment. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you out of the mystery that you awoke us to yourself. We claim no merit of our own in this, but only in all by your hand and your work. We pray for those now who need that work done in their lives as well. We faithfully go forward to proclaim this gospel and call men to the decision and determination they must make to repent and believe. But how will they hear? Unless your spirit attends to our words, melts rocks, breaks up the soil, penetrates with the seed of the gospel. Do this for your glory and your honor, O God. And bring many more children into your kingdom, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for listening in today. I hope the lesson will go a long way towards sharpening your prayer life for lost people. And I pray it will guard you against presuming upon a tradition or an intellectual idea or an emotional sentiment in the place of saving faith in Jesus Christ. This has been the Bread of Life. To learn more about our work abroad or at home or to get a copy of this message, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.